people have an issue with people who don't eat meat. So even when you eat everything, the primary focus is on who eats meat and who doesn't. Nobody's like, what? You don't eat broccoli? Exactly. You know, nobody has an issue with somebody that doesn't eat broccoli. The meat is the divide, right? And so even though they're omnivores, the real issue is how come you don't eat chicken? Exactly. Yeah. So again, just the demarcation is whether you eat animal flesh or not. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. Lawrence Rassall, also known as The Artisan. If you're a longtime listener or just a frequent listener, you may have heard our episode around why call it vegan, where a fellow volunteer was up in arms about the fact that I was referring to our vegan pasta dish as mac and cheese, as opposed to just a vegan baked pasta dish. And so we thought we'd take a moment to talk about how judgmental omnivores can be, as well as, of course, how judgmental vegans can be and why that seems to be the case. So first, I'm going to dive in here and say that judgmental omnivore, that doesn't really exist. People who say they're omnivores are really carnivores. They put vegetables on the side of the plate, and they, if it's on the side, then it's not really the main thing. So judgmental carnivores is what I'm calling this. Except it sounds like, I mean, that sounds like a judgment in and of itself, where we're, we're basically classifying people who eat mostly animals and some plants as being a carnivore versus an omnivore. And it sounds like there's a lot of judgment associated with that description. I mean, be serious here. Nobody nobody says, hey, I'm an omnivore. People are like, I eat mostly eat veggies. Nobody says that. People are like, yeah, I like bacon. Right. right? Nobody says they're an omnivore. And they'll say, I'm a meat eater. Right. Right. In, in layman's terms. So I agree with you. It's only the people who are trying to specify that they don't eat meat. Good point. Are the ones that qualify, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan, I'm this or that. Omnivore really doesn't exist. I'm sorry. And I I agree that omnivores are not as uh, judgmental. It's the carnivores, really, that are like, you guys don't eat meat. I mean. Well, I think what April was saying is that even though they scientifically um, yeah. spoken they because they eat meat and, and vegetables. vegetables. Yeah, they're, they're omnivores. omnivores. Yeah. But no one really says, again, like she's saying, right. there's no one that calls themselves an actual omnivore. Yeah. And that that like I think the it's biggest understood. thing is people have an issue with people who don't eat meat. So even when you eat everything, the primary focus is on who eats meat mm-hmm. and who right. doesn't. Nobody's like what? You don't right. eat broccoli? Exactly. Like, you know, nobody has an issue with somebody that doesn't eat broccoli. But the meat is the divide, right? And so even though they're omnivores, the real issue is how come you don't eat chicken? Exactly. Yeah. So I love again, that, Lisa. just the demarcation is 
whether you eat animal flesh or not. So it's not the degree or how much meat you eat. Just like the one drop rule when it comes to <laughs> being black. No, it's the same thing if you think about it. So if you eat a portion of any animal, you're a meat eater. What's the one drop rule? You, are you kidding? No. We're really switching the subject. <laughs> Go, for it. Go ahead. Go for it. Please so in previous, I guess in colonial days, um, the concept was if you had any black blood running into you, whether you were a fourth, an eighth, or a sixteenth. Octoroon is the name. Thank you. <laughs> I hate that word, but I love so it So if you had any percentage of black in you, you were black, no matter how fair, fair your skin or your hair or how you looked, you were considered black. Hence, um, Queen, we know the story about Queen and how she she passed as a white woman, even though she was actually biracial so which is ridiculous in its construct the the foundation of that kind of principle of it judging is. black people or white people by, by a drop of first of all how you measure a drop right and secondly everybody's mixed up and especially in a country that was built on uh the right africans coming here immigration of sorts british coming here correct the right american indians already here right and everybody mixing it up exactly now, I will say that I am like the queen of soapboxes, but I feel like we're really- like, Yeah, we're digressing. So, right, the, right, so right. let's go back to it. But yeah, so the-, right. so the Concept. The, the, it's interesting idea because- Yeah, I do. Because um, when you talk to someone and they ask you to basically clarify or classify yourself, it is based on whether or not you eat animal flesh, right? That is the demarcation line. And the, it's kind of like the, uh, to Lisa's point, the haves and have nots. So either you eat animals or you don't. And I find it interesting that- People even will want to classify the degree to which they eat animals. Mm-hmm. So, all right, like, like I, I only eat eggs or I only eat fish, and they don't consider that "quote unquote" meat, right? Um, though it is from yeah, an animal, animal that's exactly. basically given its life for you to enjoy sushi or fish and chips or whatever it is right. you're having. I think that that's. I always think that that's funny when I have conversations with people about being plant based or. Uh, vegan or vegetarian and they're always like they go through these like list of animals and they're like so does that mean that you don't eat chicken like well (laughs) is chicken an animal you know and then they're like well what about fish also an animal oh i see well what about like sausage (laughs) definitely comes from an animal you know um i I always love that it's always fun for me yeah sausage yeah I like yeah. April's description when someone asks her, what do you eat? Yes. What do you say? I eat anything with a plant parent. Without. No, with the plant with parent. With a plant parent. Plant parent. Sorry. Yeah. A plant parent. Okay, I've never heard that before. Plant parent, I was like. Which is the very, the, it's the very um, um, action I want to evoke. I want you, I want to slow people down so they actually think. They think have to, about They have to it, think right. about plant yeah. parent. Wait. Plants don't have parents. And that's what I was about to say. I was like, Right. Yeah, that's what threw me off. No, no, technically, you're right. A plant will produce a seed. Yeah. And a seed will grow into. So technically, that's a parent. Right. I've had someone else say that they don't eat anything that's walked on land. Mm -hmm. So by that definition, I'm guessing they They eat eat fish. fish, both the swimming kind and the Crawling. crawling kind. Right. And eggs. 
And I'm guessing eggs. Because it's mm. not it's not typical. It's not literally walked on land. That but. would include dairy, though. So then I feel like, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah. I heard someone recently tell me that he didn't eat anything that had a face. Yeah, I was going to say Ooh. that. That's Ooh. probably... What? Nothing with a face. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that That's before. That's so disturbing. Actually, Still I was going to bring that eggs. up as well. Right. So they classify themselves as... Uh, a vegan. Well, I guess they could still be a. Well, nope. well I mean, you, you might have honey. Eggs. Yeah, oh. have honey. Honey and well, eggs. Well, it comes from yeah. a bee, and a bee has a face. But you didn't yeah. eat the bee. Yeah. No, but it comes from the bee. It also comes to, you know, why are you a vegan? Are you a vegan for ethical reasons, for environmental right. reasons, for dietary reasons? A lot of people that come to our audience come to us because they are making a dietary change as a result of needing to overcome a health issue or health mm-hmm. concern or health threat. And so because of that, well, that informs what you would eat. But, you know, I I, I feel like it gets way too technical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've said this, you know, in different podcast episodes, like your body knows what you need. Um, but it's like we, we've gotten way too intellectual about how we eat. And eating is supposed to be a pleasure. It's supposed to be a feel good. And we're supposed to just like put it in there. And it was great. Cool. And I'm going about my business because I've got energy now. Again, energy. And then when I my energy gets low, I'll eat again. So intellectual. Hello, keto. Yes, I hate these kinds of things that's like makes us feel like we, so that we have to literally proportion and worry about our percentage and whatever. So coming back to topic, right? We're just like, yes, I, f- I do agree that carnivores are... The judgmental ones. I heard somebody I love, and I've said this before, call himself a baconator. And I'm just like, what in the world? Do you not know how bad bacon is for you? Like, I just, yeah. And those are the people who sit down at a vegan table and or a plant-based table and just like, that's awesome. Where's the meat? Yeah. Nobody sits down and says, that's awesome. Where's the vegetables? Except a person right. who oh, eats vegetables right. primarily. Yeah. What's interesting? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, for the most part, I agree with you, but I do think uh, in terms of knowing what your body needs and eating for your body, but I also feel like we've gotten to a point where, I don't know, food is not what it used to be. Um, And so I think we do have to give a little bit more thought to it, even in terms of plants and vegetables. And um, so that's really why the Jealous Vegan exists, right, is because there's been a need to have this dialogue about food and what you're eating. And maybe it doesn't need to be monitored as closely as people um, do, but maybe it does because there's so many different chemicals and elements that go into our food nowadays that produce a chemical reaction inside of the body that is causing a desired outcome that people have really given pause to the things that they're eating and the portions that they're eating and you know all of those different things. Even though I think we are completely missing sometimes the greater thing, and that is the chemical reaction that's happening in the body, right? So it might not be about having this large portion of pasta, but what kind of chemicals are inside of the pasta that maybe your body is not breaking it down correctly and and causing us to feel like we need to eat less of this thing. But I think we need to focus more on understanding like exactly what we're eating and how it works inside the body and, and fueling in that way. And so while I think, yes, originally, you know, humans were not intended to think that much about what we're eating because the body's going to do what it's going to do. We have come really so far from that that we do have to give it some intentional thought because um, 
It's hard. It's hard. Right. It's yeah, really hard. And we, our food is just processed in a way that it is not meant to be processed. And I think our bodies come into contact with so many things that your body's just like, what is this? Put it to the side. And so, you know, we do have to give some real thought about it. And I don't disagree with being intentional. Um, what I feel we have lost is the intuition. And we've talked about this um, before, too, that the intuition of your body always knows what you need if we're willing to listen, if we're able to listen and tune in. That's the consciousness part to me. Like, your body tells you when you had dairy and it's like, oh, dairy wasn't good. But if you're always eating dairy, if you're not right. conscious to the fact that there's something here that you need to look at, then you'll just keep eating it because it's around. And so I, I, I feel like we've lost the intuitive nature of listening to our biology about what we need. Um, and it's really, yes, I'm not advocating that we don't need the intellectual piece. I just feel like we've lost the intuitive piece. I don't agree with, I mean, I don't disagree <laughs> with that in that we, um, we've lost the intuitiveness, but we also aren't in a society that Things are readily available to us, you know? So, I mean, things are readily available, but things are not readily available. Not so, the right things. Yeah, not the right, right things. And so if you're having some sort of craving, let's say, it might not be for meat, right? It might be for something that your body, that maybe can be found in meat or something that your body is searching for, but then we don't have super abundant options. It, it's always amazing to me, like... Uh, Maybe two weeks ago, I went to this farmer's market and my whole goal was, you know, to buy a different variety of like fruits and vegetables. But like all of the stands had the same thing, just at different prices. So there was a lot of cherries. There were a lot of cucumbers. There were like a lot of. Yeah. Um, But I didn't see a lot of variety outside of what I could get normally. And so like I just saw a natural doctor who was talking about, you know, trying to source different um, ingredients from different places, whether that's like, I know April does like ashwagandha, like in the morning. I have no idea what that's good for, but like, where do you find that? If, if you, if there were no such thing as Amazon or, (laughs) um, how would I find that locally? And I, I don't know how you find these different elements that put together a complete composite diet. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's bio. It's diversity in our in our, in diet. our diet that yeah that we're getting from. I think it comes from a little bit of mass production. People try to give us mass amounts of this and like none of this, but really you need the whole spectrum to really function as a the way that we are supposed to and optimally. And we don't have that, and so I think we are constantly trying to fill those voids with whether it's meat or Potato all these different. Or potato chips, or all of these different diets. Like we're just trying to figure out the things that work, and I don't know how we can expose ourselves to to more variety. I think it's probably more simple even than that. Is that you have a salt or a sugar craving, and one or the other it needs to be satisfied at a point in time. So recently, I went through a bout where I wanted sushi like every single day. Like literally, I probably had sushi four or five times in a in the course of a week. And what I came to was it was, I mean, I did want the fish, right? Because I'd been having some, I've been having some issues. But so I wanted the salmon, you know, because I usually get like the same thing, like a rainbow roll and an Alaska roll. And but what I also recognized is that it was the saltiness of the 
I don't use soy sauce, I use tamari because I have a gluten allergy, but it's the saltiness of that that I actually think I was in search of, right? And so I could have probably solved that some other way. Um, but I think that people think like, oh, I want some bacon. No, they want the saltiness so, and the fat associated with the bacon. Right, that's what I was going to add is fat sometimes too. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. But do you think a hundred years ago people had gluten allergies or reactions mm. to... To certain food sources. Getting back to, I think, what Lisa was saying, the way food is processed today is dramatically different five years ago. Not 100 years ago or 50 years, but there's so many chemicals in there. It's processed in such a way that, like Lisa said, your body, when it's trying to digest it, it doesn't know what to do. So it reacts like April has mentioned, your biology, you get acne or you get constipated or hives, whatever it may be, we're all different. Yeah, headaches. So, right, headaches, right. So um, no, the the food that you and I ate, most of the time, probably all of our mothers cooked for us. Mm-hmm. My mother didn't work. She didn't work. She didn't start working until my latter part of my high school year. She started working part-time. So we always had home-cooked meals. Um, and again, the food production was different. So no, I do not believe the rate of allergens and gluten. I mean, gluten. I don't even know. Yeah. Right. I, just, I remember when you shared that with me, you were probably one of the first people um, years ago that shared that. I didn't even know what gluten was. I still don't know. Do you, do, you, do you think this has anything to do with why people have carnivores, omnivores, judgmental carnivores or omnivores? Do you think this has anything to do with why they are judgmental, like, uh, that's, you just made that up. Or you're a weakling because you can't eat this. We, we never, nobody had any problem a hundred years ago. I didn't know any- 20 years ago. Right. So uh, is that, do you think that's a contributing factor? I absolutely think that that's a huge part of it. I mean, you think about trying to shift somebody's mentality. I think uh, my grandmother is a good example of that. She remembers, I mean, born in 1932. She remembers. <laughs> she told her age she's gonna be mad. Mm-hmm. Does she listen to the podcast? <laughs> she will now. Mom, don't say a word. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty cool, though. Yeah, to be able to say in 1932. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's born in 1932, cool. and she remembers growing up on a farm and you know eating dairy every day and having milk in her coffee but now she absolutely has a dairy allergy and so, so i see so much of her she's like it's cuz i'm getting older mm. it's because of this it's because of that i'm like no it's because the dairy of today is it's very different. different from the dairy that you grew up with and so you think about people who are judgmental in that way they're like well i eat dairy and it's fine but maybe it's not fine maybe they haven't come to read the signs right like my my grandmother She's like, I'm not allergic to dairy. I mean, I get sick every time I have milk, but like, it's not the milk though. <laughs> uh, like, it's a strange coincidence. <laughs> Probably the milk. And it's very common for people to say, I've always eaten this. Right. I don't have an allergy. I've always eaten this. But the body changes, the environment changes, the food has changed right. for sure. Right. And you know, it's one of those things where I would love to look back at, you know, my grandma's life and say, have you really never been allergic or have you not? notice that you were allergic how were your symptoms manifesting themselves but like you said your body changes the food production has changed so many different things have changed and now your reaction is different but um 
we talked about this before in a previous episode, but it's hard to rewire the brain. So if you've been having milk every day and feeling like it's been fine, then yeah, this new thing, milk, is bad for you. Like, what you mean? I've been having milk, you know, this whole time. And it's hard for people to rewire in that way. And I think sometimes that is why they tend to be judgmental because they're like, well, something's wrong with you, but not wrong with me. And clearly, if I'm fine, then you're making it up, which is is not the or case. Or you're weak. Yeah, or you're weak or fight through it. Yeah, the judgment is all over the place. But so it might be that that you maybe are contributing something that's wrong with you to food when the person who is able to eat those things doesn't have a reaction says, well, there's something wrong with you. But I find it interesting just in the concept that people feel like they have the uh, right to weigh in on what you consume, right? So whenever you tell somebody or they come to notice that you don't eat what they eat and they're curious, their curiosity is not necessarily rooted in oh, help me understand why you're making that choice. The curiosity is, and well, why aren't you eating what I'm eating? And what does that say about me versus what it says about you? And I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. Why do you think that's the case? I, I think that it's a sense of belonging. We all want to belong. I think it's true on the other side of it. The people who are choosing to make a different kind of choice than what their parents or their social environment has made I think it's on the other side too. Like, is there something wrong? I certainly felt it on the other side. Was there something wrong with me? My sister can eat whatever she wants. So can my mom. And everybody goes regularly. And I'm the one with the stuck digestive system. And I thought that my stuck digestive system was the normal one. And I'm feeling it. It's part of the resistance I had to um, to really accepting that I can't eat what they eat. And, and, and so I, I was judgmental of self too. Like, wait. How are these, how are we all family? And I don't, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and I'm suffering because my, that mac and cheese that my grandmother just put down on the table. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I mean, that's suicide in my digestion, but everybody else here is having no problem. I don't so understand that. It, right. Which is so funny to come full circle because, you know, from your perspective, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted without a reaction when really I was having a rela- reaction all along. It wasn't the, sa- the same reaction as you, but I was having a lot of congestion. I was having sinus infections. I was, yeah, really regular. <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> Some people Too it stops you up. Some people it doesn't, you know? And so um, it's like the rivers overflowed. Like, but that was all symptoms of me having a, a reaction to the same things, just in a very different way. Um, and so I think while we stand on one side thinking, I'm fine, and why can't you eat this thing? Maybe you're not really fine. Maybe your symptoms are manifesting in a different way. And until we become a little bit more accepting of other people's um, choices and other people's tolerances and, and intolerances... That's where the learning really happen, really happens because it was not until like April and I had a conversation about my allergies and me always getting sinus infections. And she was like, well, maybe you should take milk out of your diet. And of course, before that, she was the only, you know, non-meat eating um, vegan in our family. And I was like, here she go with that hippity dippity stuff. Let <laughs> me take that milk out of my diet. <laughs> That's what I'm not going to do. Trying to convert you. <laughs> Here she goes, being the hippity-dippity one. Um, (laughs) But then as soon as I did, it made such a big difference 
Um, and so having that dialogue of her being able to say, hey, I took this stuff out of my diet. This is what it did for me. Maybe you should try it. And I was very resistant in the beginning. I'm not giving up my ice cream. I'm not giving up my milk. I'm not giving up my things. And But then when I did, I was like, oh, it is that. But it was hard. It was really hard for one, her to convince me and then for me to make the change after that. So I think standing in a place of understanding that it's hard for people to break a habit It's hard to change your train of thought, but to also be on the other side, open-minded and willing to listen and grow from other people and their experiences. That's where we really hit the middle ground. And that's where a lot of growth for everybody happens, which is a really good space for us to be in. The word that came up was empathy. Yeah. Right. And it, it needs to be in the corporate environment also. Can I call that out? Because a lot of times it would be pizza and chips and soda. Mm. And I'm like, I can't eat any of And if there was a salad, it was some, you know, wilted salad that, you know, had some ranch dressing. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do with that? I'm going to bring my own food. But then that requires me to have a certain steeliness to sit there with my sweet green salad when everybody else is having pizza and then endure the questions. So you're eating. So you're vegan, huh? Well, whether I am or not, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. I can't eat the pizza. Do I have to have a dialogue with every single person that inquires? No. And why do I have to? Yeah. And why is there only pizza? It can be challenging. I know, especially in a corporate environment. Um, I find myself often, and for me, I think the the shame of being overweight kind of plays into it. Like, well, why do you need a special diet? Like, surely you can eat everything that we're eating. In fact, you probably already have. And that's why you look like you do. But it's like, so so trying to, like you said, having the steel to say like, this is my choice and this is what I'm doing. And that it doesn't reflect on you. Like, don't take my app, you know, abstinence for this item to indicate that that there's something you should change about what you're doing. And that's where people, I think, get tripped up is that they feel like, well, if you're not doing it, maybe I should not be doing it. And I don't want to not do it. And then they go through this whole thing. And it's like, I haven't even told you not right. to do it. Like, right. like why, are you, why are we even having this conversation yeah. in your head? Right. It Everybody, goes both, way, both ways. My experience uh Similar to everyone in the room, based upon what April just mentioned, this is when we do have sort of corporate outings, or and it's usually pizza and ice cream and soda. And you're right, I don't eat any of those. I, I still eat cheese, uh, very uh, rarely, but um, I get the when I say, "Oh, I don't eat chicken," or "I don't eat sausage or pepperoni." Oh, I need my my meat. I'm gonna. I'm like, I didn't ask you. I just said I don't eat it. I, I can't eat it. But then you, I also have some of those individuals that will, like Jennifer mentioned, they're curious. So I'll say, well, I don't eat chicken or I don't eat pork. And they'll say, oh, why? Are you a vegan? And I'll say, well, no, but I just I eat more plant-based and um, I do better that way. And so I sort of relay and educate. Yeah. So I, I think the, the, the responses are always different. So it's not so polarized where everyone is judgmental. Some people are are, are uh, genuinely interested and I take that opportunity to, to share at that point. But it requires a bit of diplomacy, right? Yeah. Not but. I'm ready all the time. I'm always ready. That diplomacy that you're mentioning. Very yeah. diplomatic. Yeah, I'm not always ready. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. Never ready. I, you, know, you know, because I feel like... Everyone should be at this point. No. Sorry, Lawrence. We're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like I don't really owe you that explanation. And I'm 
sometimes I honestly I'm not in the mood to explain my dietary preferences because I just I don't want to. And have your opinion. That's fine. It's yours. Keep it. Yeah. You know, uh, wh- whatever you think. Be- you know, it, because I think also the uncertainty of like how that conversation is going to go. You know, somebody says, "Oh, you're not eating this because like, are you vegan?" And like, "Well, no, I'm not vegan." Oh, well, then why don't you eat it then? If you're in that now, you have an attitude. Not I have an attitude, <laughs> and now it's not a good day for anybody. So I don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm okay with engaging, but sometimes I'm like, no. I just want to eat I'm my not, food. Yeah, I just right. want to eat my food. I just. I think it speaks to too. You can tell when someone's curious and when someone True. is feeling judged yeah. by your choice, yeah. right? Which what you said, Lawrence, that uh, triggered a thought for me was something I see commonly with people in my interactions is that um, we tend to take information and reflect it against ourselves. Absolutely, bingo. Projecting, yeah, right? A- absolutely, and then the response is the projection. Yes, right? but it's this bit of information actually has nothing to do with you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Not this is we're not talking about you right now. You asked me a question about me. So to, to when people turn it back and they say, "Oh, I can never Yeah, no, I can never go without yeah. cheese." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm like, so okay. we just made a projection right now and I tend to go to silence." Mm. Because why am I I'm not going to I'm not going to interact with your projection. Yeah. Yeah, I want to eat my food. Right. <laughs> right. But but it can't go it can't go well if yeah, you're projecting well. the yeah, your feeling negativity yeah. judgment like it can't go it's well no matter what I say you're gonna walk away with the same opinion that you already had uh, so great yeah I think the problem is that people have come in contact with maybe an ethical vegan who feels like I'm not doing it and you shouldn't either because of the welfare of the animals or for the betterment of the planet or you know, just for your own health sake. Um, and so this like evangelizing crusade that maybe in the 80s or 90s was part of kind of the veganism movement maybe has has put people in a mindset that they have, they feel like they need to defend their position mm-hmm. even before you've told them that they should do what you're doing. Well, and PETA, like an oh. organization is still one of those. I mean, and, you know, no, I, I'm not to call them out necessarily. It's just that, those types of organizations that make it really clear that if you are not this way, then you are, you know, a heretic or, you know, sellout. Use these very pejorative terms. Well, yes, that's going to put people on the defensive because food is something we all need. None of us can go without it. So it's not like you can just say, it's not like I I can be, I can say I'm going to give up leather. Okay, cool. I can make that choice and give up leather. Not that I would ever do that. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But... But food, I have to or have. Or your suede pumps. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that as much as you have uh, the judgmental omnivores, carnivores, the judgmental vegans have really added to the problem just as much because whether or not I choose to abstain from meat for ethical reasons or health reasons... I also don't have to go like all in either. Right. You know, they're like, no plastic bags and no this and no that. And I, I try to live in a place of balance. I try to not deprive myself from things, but not overindulge and save the planet, but also take a shower and use deodorant. <laughs> like, you know, it's like where you find the happy the happy medium. I know um, Jen recently, she shared an article with us and it was saying that, you know, 
if you're vegan, then you should not use deodorant. You should not really? use body wash. You should not use any sort of, you know, all of these different things. And I'm like, yeah, see, this is where it yeah. gets really extreme, right. extreme. And I think it does put people on the defensive because people don't mean harm, you know, to say that I'm a horrible person because, I mean, it's 100 degrees in D.C. right now. I mean, did does this mean if I stop at 7-Eleven for a bottle of water that I'm a planet killer? It does absolutely put people on the defensive because I don't mean any harm by it. I'm just trying to get what I need. And I think that people focus so much on like individuals and less on companies, right? Because why aren't we like fussing at companies for using plastic bottles versus glass bottles? Instead, you want to like fuss at me because I bought a bottle of water that I needed so that I don't die from dehydration. Um, <laughs> And it, it can be really frustrating, and I think it does put people on end. And so on both sides, when you're talking to somebody who's like an omnivore, who eats meat, who may approach you as to like, why you don't eat this, you don't know what perspective, they don't know what perspective you're coming from. Like, are you one of those hardcore vegans that's going to be like, you're a planet killer? So they're kind of on the defensive, and then their response puts you on the defensive, and it just can be a really hard topic to navigate. But I think both sides need to come um, from a place of understanding and from a place of balance, you know, there, there, there is a place in between. You don't have to be an extremist, an extremist in any direction. I, I think it's modesty too. I mean, what I hear when people are just like, yes, I'm trying to solve a water problem. For example, I use some plastic bottles and I'm trying to transition myself to, to glass Glass is heavier, though. Glass also comes with some risk of being broken in transit. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, though, to figure that out because I do care. Paper? S problem solved. Well, how do you get it in large enough quantity? For me, I can install a filter. What are you filter. carrying? What, what are you... Well, I mean, you're going for, to work. No, no, she's talking about, like, having water on the go, right? Water on the go. Yeah, I'm out and about. Or in your house. Like the box water company? Yeah. yeah. Can I refill it? No. Well, so I mean, I'm just can... buying a lot of box. I'm just buying, you know, a case of box water. Right. What I want is, I, I want to be able to reuse, right? So that I'm not I only not saying. only getting so off of plastic, but I'm paper as well. Got right. You. Well, and and not just getting off of plastic, but um, using less. Like if sure. I'm reusing, then I'm not. I don't have as much in my possession. Right. So I am concerned about, to Lisa's point about being a planet killer, I am concerned about, I do try not to buy any plastic. Yeah. I do give the paper, I get, get very angry when I go into Safeway or Giant with my grandmother. I'm just going to call it out because they, they are very generous with using plastic bags. And I'm like, why do we not have paper? I know it's available. So that to the point, yes. But I also feel like there is a piece of, of modesty because people want to boil the ocean all at once, so to speak. And here's the thing. We singly, we cannot enact this change. And globally, as a humanity, there's only so much change we can enact. And so I feel like when people are like, we need to do it all. It's like, OK, that's going to be overwhelming. That's going to be stressful. Oh, and by the way, we are limited in the amount of change we can have because other people have opposing views. So I can operate within my sphere of influence and do the best that I can. And there's not enough, there's often in the extremist views, there's not enough room for people who are trying to live as holistically as possible, as healthfully as possible for themselves and for the planet and also recognize I'm not going to change the climate single-handedly. doesn't matter if I gave up every plastic bottle from now until my death, hopefully. 
you know, at a very, very, very old age. I wanted to just go back to what Lisa said about the chart that I shared that says it was published by the Daily Mirror, what to ditch if you want to turn vegan. And so it lists some common household items you'd have to give up if you want to be completely vegan. So this is beyond food. This is looking at, you know, materials. Sure. And so plastic bags was number one. Plastic shopping bags contain slipping agents made from animal fat to reduce friction. How about that? Interesting. Nasty. It mentions shampoo and conditioner. A lot of hair products use lecithin to repair damaged hair and make it look shiny, which is usually taken from animal or dairy sources. I can say I've solved that problem. I have all natural products. I can say that. All natural or which I guess plant is vegan. One hundred percent. All natural. All natural is plant. plant like one hundred percent plant based. Yeah. Hundred so no percent. Which can we just take one moment on that note because of what's happening with the founder of Black and Green? Yes. Um, and talk about um, that briefly, audience. If you have not heard, the founder of Black and Green, Kristen Henderson, Doctor Kristen Henderson, um, was in a very severe accident, and um, the company that she founded is targeted to women of color and absolutely has um, plant uses plant-based ingredients um, and is um, an excellent resource for anyone looking to um, take the next step toward plant-based, not just in food, but in what they put on their skin and what they put um, on their hair for babies, for um, men as well. It is an excellent resource. And I just want to call it out because in honor of her, um, she is in a coma. And so we just want to recognize her and her contribution to bringing plant-based solutions into the marketplace. Yeah. And hopefully by the time this episode airs, she will be, you know, in recovery. Um, And, you know, regardless, there's an opportunity to support her, her and her family right now, but also um, to support your own health by looking at some alternative products made by artisans who really care about the quality of the the materials they bring to you. Agreed. Uh, I think I did not appreciate as much uh, the need for plant-based products like shampoo and conditioner, Uh, but I am a hairstylist. And I had a recent visit with my holistic doctor and she said, oh, for sure, your, your system is overwhelmed with chemicals and with things. And so... Uh, after I had that doctor's appointment, I went back on the black and green site and I started looking at ways to reduce my chemical intake. And so there is a real need for things like that. We are constantly bombarded, whether it's the food we eat, the things that we put on our body, the air that we're breathing, we are in a toxic filled, uh, environment. So any way that you can reduce your, your chemical intake you know, you want to avail yourself of that. And I do think Black and Green is a great site for that. They have everything from face wash to deodorant to diapers, everything. Um, sanitary products. Sanitary products. Anything that you could even possibly think you might want to switch over to plant-based and organically sourced. They are definitely your go-to place. Hey. So we'll drop it in the show notes. Um, the, the, the website blkgrn.com but we'll drop its audience so you can go there and absolutely please please do support them yeah. I was in support of what Lisa just mentioned as far as um, 
topical things in addition to what we're putting into our bodies. Furthermore, uh, the mattresses and the coatings on couches and things of that nature also cause cancer. I mean, we're talking about food, but which speaks to your situation, what you mentioned earlier, it also behooves us to explore uh, the things that we wear. And so I don't know what, in addition to your, your listing there or your, your article says about. So can I just say the one that really blew my mind now? I I don't, I don't, (laughs) I can only, I already know. I don't. Your eyes are huge. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm in anticipation. So on the list, the thing that like jumped out at me was condoms. Oh, really? So it says most condom brands use casein, oh, which is a what? protein taken from cows, goats, or sheep milk to make their condoms smoother. Yeah. Yeah. I that gets that. back to what you're saying about the plastic. That yeah, makes sense. Slip yeah. Agents, right? Slip right. It. When there's also condoms that are made from, is it, well, sh- is it sheep's? Yeah, sheepskin. Yeah. yeah. Sheepskin. For people who are allergic to latex. Right, exactly. Right. right. No, it's a whole That's thing. That's weird. Yeah, so I'm, we're going to post this, of course, in the show notes, but I just find it interesting that things you don't think about might have either trace materials or are primarily made of something that may not be um, in, in keeping with your biology. Right. So again, speaking to balance. No, I was just going to say, um, I also, somebody recommended a book to me recently, and it was, I'm going to try and find the name so that we can put it in the show notes, but it was Where Your Plastic Goes. And so I was thinking about, in line with what April was saying about um, when you, you're not single-handedly going to save the planet. And I feel like people take these things on as like, get rid of all your plastic and you're going to save the planet. But in this book, they talk about, you know, our waste in the United States is actually shipped to foreign countries yes. where they just hold on to it. Absolutely and crazy. so they talk about even recycling some of the recycling programs that we have. The It actually does not get recycled. recycled. And right. so, you know, when I meet people who are so hung up on, you know, us doing our part, it's like, yeah, but if the people above us aren't doing their part and the people above them aren't doing their part, then it's futile. Yeah. yeah. Then we really have a bigger problem at hand. It's it's systematic. It for sure. Systematic. And, and it's really something larger. I mean, it, it is really the problem comes from a is a much larger context um, if man could solve all the problems that we have, we would have done it by now. The simple fact is we we're not united. So that's the first problem. And that's not something we're a- we're able to solve clearly. And so to, to your point, Lily, absolutely. I'm 100 percent. That just blew my mind that we you just move the trash around. <laughs> they like, basically. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's that whole Pacific. Yeah. In China, yeah. China, Large. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some Asian countries, they... So they used to. They used to recycle glass. They used to recycle plastic. But now it's more expensive to do that than to create new, especially in China. So So recyclers really have no... There's no business model that will allow them to continue to do what they're doing. Again, money. Yeah. But I like the point where you were saying we're not united. Of course, that's another show. That's another podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. So... 
speaking to what Lisa was saying is you have to be balanced because I know for myself, that's, that goes back to, okay, the person that asked for money, do you say, well, you know, we're not united. I'm not going to give him this money. He's just going to blow it. You know, sometimes you have to do the right thing. So I'm fine with recycling. I will continue to recycle. I will continue to eat more plant-based. I will continue to um, do those things that I feel is is good for me and my health. Aside from, as you were saying, um, April, that the the superior authorities, they're not doing their part. So I think we should be able to respect people's personal choice. Sometimes when it comes to food, we don't respect people's personal choice. It's like there's these these lines of things. Okay, that's your business. And here's mine. I think that that's absolutely what it comes down to is everybody has to make the best decisions for them uh, to the best of their ability and to what their conscience will allow. So, yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I'm not going to stop recycling, even if it never goes where it's supposed to go. It makes me feel better to think absolutely. that I've done my part and to do- to that I've done um, the best that I can do that I've taken as far as I can go. And right. then, it, you know, it's outside of me. Um, I, but I'm also going to feed myself what I think I need and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm okay with other people doing whatever they feel like is necessary for their health and for the health of their families. All we can really do is try to be as educated as possible as we can. Um, and to make the best decision that we can see at the time and, I think if we all operate from that place of doing what's best for us and making the most educated decisions that we can, that's really the best that any of us can do. I would just add, y'all know I'm the high priestess of listen to your body. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. Please listen to your body. And if you don't know how to listen to your body, please contact me. I can show you that. (laughs) Because it's so important, especially if you are trying to change a habit and you know you need to for a health reason, you must learn to listen to your body and you can retrain yourself to listen to your body. The signs are always there. So I would add that with Lisa's education piece, consciousness, absolutely learn to listen to your body. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media at The Jealous Vegan on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or at thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, Don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.